Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. squad and welcome to ranks fc this is your favorite football podcast back for another week my name is jack collins and i will be your host today joining me as ever is the rank god mr sam Tai. how you doing mate hello mate yes i'm very well thank you how are you yeah i'm not too bad thank you not too bad another manic week of football for us to get our teeth into we'll look at the the weekend of course um this week is champions league europa league it, it just doesn't feel like it's stopping as we build up to the world cup does it and our transfer guru mr dean jones how you doing mate hello mate yeah i'm good i'm good um yeah there's there's a lot of football at the moment it is great isn't it like there's barely a day when there's no football at the moment and that's just across the board whether it's like you know MLS is is hitting uh peak time now we're down to the the last four um Premier League like ridiculous Champions League well we had a brief break from it last week but we're straight back in this week yeah but in the break um, last we week had we had a full slate of Premier exactly. League yeah yeah, yeah exactly. and a load of Copa yeah. Italia the FB Pokal it's just been yeah. great I've enjoyed myself oh, it's yeah. a good warm up for the World Cup I think four games a day you're going to need to get the uh, the stamina in for ready for that yeah, it's yeah. just like it. it's like pre-season for the World Cup. I'm quite enjoying it myself. Mm. Um, right today, we're going to be talking about Golden Boys, uh, one of our favourite episodes, a staple of the ranks calendar. We're going to be talking about the best young players in the world. But before we do that, we have things we love. And DJ, you're going to start us off. Yeah, I mean, talking of the World Cup there, I am genuinely getting very excited now about the World Cup. It's 25 days away. 25 days until the World Cup and like people aren't really talking about it because there's so much other stuff going on but this is going to be an unbelievable tournament 32 team World Cup in Qatar nobody knows what to expect here like you think that this the start to the Premier League season particularly has been a bit chaos and like things just haven't gone the way that you I say just the Premier League it's not the Premier League just at all is it all over Europe at the moment tables are all over the place Players are not producing the type of form you would expect. There's a few injuries creeping in. And we're going into a World Cup that really does look pretty open. And I think that it's going to be really exciting. Look, obviously, we're, we're doing some work at the moment for a client and we're starting to write scripts about all of the different teams that we're going to record in a couple of weeks' time. And that's what's actually really got me excited about this this morning. I wrote two uh, previews. One was Serbia and one was Qatar. And those two teams, obviously Serbia, I knew a bit about because of Mitro and the way that they qualified and stuff by beating Portugal. But even just finding out a bit more of, of them, you're like, Shit, uh, Serbia are good. Serbia are going to be good at this World Cup. They're going to be a proper entertaining team that could genuinely go like quarterfinals, maybe even beyond if things went their way. And Qatar... Anyone I speak to, they look at like the World Cup schedule and they're like, oh yeah, it starts a bit early now, doesn't it? Uh, that first game, Qatar-Ecuador, well, I'll probably give that one a miss. No, you won't. Nobody is going to give that game a miss because it is the World Cup opener and Qatar are actually quite good. Like yeah. they're not, they're not like, this is their first ever World Cup and they've spent 12 years preparing for it. That's when they were made the host nation. So they've basically played... 
I don't know, 462 friendlies in 12 years. <laughs> and they've played in like the Gold Cup, the Asian Cup, Copper America. They've basically played every tournament around the world in the last 12 years to try and get ready for this. Um, they had the Aspire Academy and all the rest of it. And I think they actually might be quite good. So it's going to be great, lads. As an England fan, I don't know what to expect. But as a football fan, I know it's going to be wicked. Yeah, I mean, this seems like a good time to talk about what we're going to do for it. So yeah, yeah. It- we should probably kind of highlight this because we're obviously going to be doing these main podcasts throughout the tournament. They might shift a little bit here and there just in terms of making them all add up to, to where the, the group stages drop and and the like. But mm-hmm. ultimately, we're going to be doing one of these a week as usual. But over on our Patreon, we're going to be doing a drop every single match day. Shorter, sharper drops that talk about all the games across every single day of the tournament. It's going to be lots of fun. It's going to be lots of lots of work, I imagine. But it's going to be um, a whole, whole, whole heap of fun. We're going to be talking the tactical trends, the players shining, all, all the different bits and bobs that you'd expect from the World Cup. We're going to be doing two big World Cup preview shows in the week beforehand as well. That'll be here on the main feed. But just a shout that we'd love you to come over and join us on Patreon, even if it is just for this World Cup month, to stay abreast of all of the developments. We're going to be talking about every team. Uh, and in the build-up to it as well, we're going to be doing some focuses, some deep dives on the big nations, the contenders at the top of this tournament to give you the, the real insight into what to expect from those teams. So, yeah, there's a link in the description. You'd love you to come and join us over on Patreon for the World Cup. We think it's going to be a wonderful place, a wonderful community. Obviously, the Discord's there. There's going to be a load of chat going on throughout the tournament on there. It's a, a very, very lively place these days. So, yeah, I just wanted to, to encourage people that if you're looking for a place to have all of your World Cup content in one go, come and have a look over on the Ranks Patreon because it's going to be pretty special over there I think during this month of fixtures yeah definitely yeah and I mean as you say like we'll bounce off uh, each night's uh, the last game we'll, we'll get on the mics and we'll, and we'll see uh, we'll go over what we've just seen and quickly preview to what's to come I'm sure but um, it, it's relentless I mean as I say like the first game we'll even do one for that won't we Qatar Ecuador like it's a four o'clock kickoff in England it's a day of its own and we will definitely review opening night I'll probably throw it forward to the next day, which has, which is when it really, really gets going. Because obviously England play that day. USA play two against Wales, and then we got the bonus of Senegal v Netherlands as well in between. So like That's that weekend, a pure crackerjack of a day. Yeah, that, do you know it? what? Taylor actually had something scheduled. She put something in like the diary for like November twenty first. I was like. I just deleted it. I just deleted it from the diary. <laughs> it was like we were supposed to be seeing some friends for, I think it was a walk or something. I was like, oh, I'm going for a walk. Um, and then I went through and added, uh, just put World Cup November 20th to December 18th. Hmm. So you're block, out the cal- block out the calendars. <laughs> Nothing I mean, is happening on those weeks, boys. I wish I wish uh, three leagues in particular in this world the best of luck for that weekend because while almost every division in the world has sort of drawn to a close for the World Cup, a couple of them are outliers, the rebels, and they are just they've decided to either play through the World Cup or at least through the group stage. So um the Swiss Super League, good luck. Uh, the Croatian first division, no one's going to be watching that, not even the Croatians. And the Segunda in Spain, best of luck with that one. The Chinese Super League carries on, Man, they might get a few there, you never know. Don't know exactly what the global appetite is, but some of the rebel nations are actually still continuing with domestic football through and this England. calendar. And I don't got think. Uh, 
You yeah. got League One and League Two. The, the WSL on. carries on, so we try to and the, cha- on that. the championship kicks back in. I was actually really upset the, about the knockouts. This. I think here's one for you. Uh, I was genuinely a bit upset about this because Fulham women's team are playing their first game at Craven Cottage, and I was like, oh, what an amazing occasion that will be! I'll definitely get down to that. It's the first day of the World Cup. Is it? Oh, come on. <laughs> I was like, oh. well, I can't go to that now. I was really upset. Was... What, the Qatar-Equator game? Yeah. So I can't, I can't be going now, which is truly really wow, upsetting. That's... I really wanted to go and see uh, the Fulham, Fulham women's team. At Mate, Cox. that might That'd be an, an oversight. Occasion. Send them an email. Say, um, Well, no, apparently mis- it's because Chelsea are playing on the Saturday at Stamford Bridge, so we can't play then. <laughs> So on the Thursday. Well, there we have it. We can't can't do it. So it's a, a huge mistake, or or at least a, a bit of a sad one. But I would have loved to have gone to that. So here we are. Right uh, before we move on to our main ranking, I want to talk very briefly about Lazio because I think they are flying under the radar a little bit. They're currently third in Serie A. Um, they beat Atalanta at the weekend, 2-0 in Bergamo, and jumped ahead of them in the table. Sarri's Lazio are playing some really, really nice stuff. Not only that, they haven't conceded in six league games. Now, if you'd looked at this Lazio side before the season began and gone, right, you've obviously lost a centre-back in, in Felipe Luis. Um, how is this going to pan out? We saw them sign Alessio Romagnoli, who's had some severe injury issues, should we say, down the line. They signed uh, Casale, Nicola Casale from Hellas Verona. And there were question marks, I think, about this side. Sarri has finally put his stamp on it. They have gone to his favoured 4-3-3. They haven't conceded a goal since September the 3rd, when they conceded two against Napoli. And then this weekend, there were big questions. Obviously, going to Atalanta, who've been in flying form. Uh, this was their first league defeat of, of, of the season. <laughs> Lazio going into this game without Chiro Mobile, who's obviously got an injury. Felipe Anderson played through the middle. Shades, I think. And and James Horncastle spoke about this on the Athletic. He said, shades of of when Dries Mertens stepped in for Napoli and then went under Sarian and went on to become the club's all-time leading goal scorer. And I don't think Felipe Anderson is going to achieve those kind of heights playing as the number nine for Lazio. But it was interesting to see him play in the middle and they absolutely tore Atalanta apart. Just couldn't cope with their movement, couldn't cope with the verticality of the attacks. Lazzari has just turned into a right back. Obviously, we saw him move into that wing back role under Inzaghi and he was good at it, but there were questions over his kind of defensive acumen. He's now playing as a straight right back and he's doing really, really well. Um, this front three of, of Zaccagni, Anderson and Pedro was was a nightmare. Atalanta couldn't get near them. Gasparini afterwards said something like, we were two, three metres off all of their players at any given time, which is pretty high praise from a man who is a big fan of, of movement and trying to get players into the right spaces. But yeah, Lazio just flying under the radar a little bit, I think. And, and Sarri has them playing some really, really nice football they're cooking quite nicely. So just a, just a word on Lazio. It's been lots of fun in Serie A. We've spent a lot of time talking about Napoli. We've spent a lot of time talking about Inter and Juventus and, and their struggles and their redemptions, potentially. We've spent a lot of time talking about AC Milan. And, and Lazio are just quietly going about their business and playing really well. So, yeah, I just thought I'd highlight that in, in this segment because I do love Maurizio Sarri. Um, mm. And it's nice to see a team playing Sarismo again, Saribol. Yeah, and also, just we touched on Inter struggles there. Um, Inter with three wins in a row coming mm. out of that break and obviously getting it done against Barcelona as well, looking really good for the Champions League. And obviously, we'll see how that pans out over the course of midweek. But 
we've got some nice nice redemptive stories here happening um over in Serie A. It is still probably the most fun league. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And some players playing some some really nice stuff. Sergei Milikovic, Savage, absolutely balling out. Oh God, he's been well. so he's, good. He's been sublime. so good. Chiro Mobile, I think, said the other week, he said, uh, Milinkovic Savage is playing on Kevin De Bruyne's level right now. He just creates magic. Now, while that might be a slight stretch, uh, I, I do can see where he's coming from, yeah. given the performances that SMS has been dropping. And as you were saying, Dean, earlier about Serbia in the World Cup, they'll be delighted to see this because another one of their key men having an absolute stormer yeah. before this tournament begins. They'd be absolutely spraying it around, mate. Ping it out wide. Fullback picks it up. Kostic pings it onto the head of Mitro 1-0. Off you go. Serbia are winning the World Cup. That's where, we're, that's where we're at. Big hot takes on this week's Ranks FC. Throwing it back to them BR football days. Uh, okay, with that, we are going to move on to our main segment after the break. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for our main ranking. Sam, the floor is yours. Yeah, so this week we are going to talk about Golden Boys. And uh, obviously over the weekend we saw Gavi crowned as the Golden Boy. Makes sense, I guess, given he won the Copper Trophy at the Ballon d'Or ceremony. So there's some consistency there. And we did talk about that, didn't we, last week, uh, last Wednesday, just the validity of that and that discussion around who the best youngsters were. But what we'll do is we'll follow suit from last week as well. We'll use the Golden Boy Award as a bit of a topical crutch. And in the week that the 2022 winner has been announced, I think we should look forward and take a look at the, the possibilities for 2023. So what I've done is I've taken that final list of 20 names on the Golden Boy list. That Originally, there was 100. They shortened it down to 20 and then crown a 100 winner. 100 always feels a bit extreme, doesn't it? I don't really. Yeah, I think they may have to make the last three up. They're just... Yeah. They're just we'll uh, on it. Yeah, they're just, they're just football <laughs> manager, new gens. Um, but they, they shorten it down to 20 and then they name a winner. I've taken a look at that, that list of 20 and I've picked out five names that were not on it. They didn't make the cut, the final shortlist for this year, but I think will make the top 20 and possibly even the top five or 10 next year. So we're Ooh, projecting and we're taking a look. Well Sorry? done, Sam. Good topic. Like this a lot. Yeah, I mean, well, it's an exercise in picking out, you know, and talking about Wonder Kids, but with your standard ranks, rules and regulations applied, which is very, uh, <laughs> it's very me. Very, very me. But uh, anyway, I put together a ranking and the ranking is kind of based on, I'd say, the strength of their claim. I imagine they'll have for the trophy next year. Mm. And we'll start at number five. And this is where I have put Romeo Lavia of Southampton. Mm. I was waiting for gasps. Mm. Where were they? No, not getting a gasp. <laughs> you know, I've read too much about, you know, a fifty million pound bid from Chelsea, remember? So like mm, yes, yeah. I don't yes, well, I don't know not exactly sure existed, how, how ex accurate that was. But yeah. Lavia with with a handful of minutes in a cup game against City and then five starts and four hundred and twenty minutes for Southampton. It's all I need. I've seen enough, guys. He is absolutely amazing. And oh, really? since he since he hurt himself against Chelsea, having scored an absolute banger. Um, Southampton have really, really missed him. And you know, he only joined in, in the summer from City. They've got a buyback clause, which is wise. There have been those suggestions of Chelsea on the trail. I mean, look, I'm not. I'm trying not to go overboard, but when you see talent, you see talent and you recognise it. And um, everybody's obsessed nowadays with finding that next, you know, press-resistant deep-lying midfielder with a great passing range, but an ability to, to punch the passes through the lines as well. The way he can weasel his way out of, pretty much any pressing trap and then strike the ball so sweetly. 
he's really really good and I've had some assurances on this one you know I, I'm not getting too too carried away because Roberto Martinez was was going to call him up for the Belgium squad in September but he got injured yeah he was he was pretty close to that to that senior look and unfortunately that injury has has halted his development a little bit it's 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 unfortunately stopped him from gaining steam but he's not that far off a return and even if we don't quite see it before the world cup i'd imagine starting 2023 he just picks that baton back up and suddenly southampton will look so much better and it will not be a coincidence they've got a bit of an unhealthy reliance on him already after five games yeah that's that's it isn't it you're looking at this and thinking how how are teams starting to rely on on youth? And and this is the the standout thing for me because if you are looking at this and, and Hassan Hutel is looking at Romeo Lavia and thinking, right, well he's the anchor of my midfield, and without it, it it's a lot worse. That's already a massive tick in the box, isn't it? Because you're looking at this and thinking, yeah, I mean if that's the the case, the only the only thing I would say here, Sam, is that looking through this list, there's not many players on here. This twenty who don't play for what I would determine as a super club. Now, Willie mm. nonso has got in there. He was at Zurich. He's now at Leeds. Uh, Destiny Adogi has signed for Tottenham, but is back at Udinese. But there isn't huge amounts. Karim Adeyemi was obviously at, at Salzburg, but is now at Dortmund. You know, these are mostly made up of, of youngsters in the really big guns. And I wonder if that's the only thing that will be held against Lavia. It could be. Uh, of course, you have to you have to understand that maybe, you never know what will happen next summer. Um, sad as it is for Southampton fans to hear, but he is really, really, really good. So you never quite know what happens. Um, Adeyemi's only done, what, three months as a Dortmund player. Hasn't even done that much and he managed to make the list. So if he does get that move, that only strengthens the claim. But if he starts to get that Belgium senior recognition, that changes things as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He gets that validation. Um, he doesn't need it. He's unreal. And if he, if he can string together, you know, 20 games in 2023, the back half of Southampton season, I think more and more people will, will quickly realise just how good he is. Yeah. They had that. Um, obviously, Chelsea's got Joe Shields now. He was at Southampton, wasn't he? Um, yeah. So that might strengthen that rumour that he does. And Chelsea, you know, we've seen the way they're starting to eat up any young talent um, coming along with the signings that they've made. So, well, you know, it probably was slightly wider than the mark that they... Went for him with a fifty million pound offer. I'm not going to rule it out completely because I think it probably is one that they've got on their radar. It's a difficult one though because, like, obviously, you know, in the summer they signed Chukwuemeka and Chizari Kasadai. You know, they were like what 15, 18 million pounds each. It's still a hell of a lot for a teenager, mm. but it's it's a different ballpark to what it would take to get Lavia now out of Southampton. Totally mm. different ballpark. So if you're buying Lavia in the summer, you're basically spending enough to make it so that you have to make him like a first team piece yeah. now there is there's change of foot in Chelsea's midfield obviously with Kante's contract expiring and a four-month injury Jorginho we don't know there's all sorts to change there maybe maybe Lavia is the pick and maybe it's not just Chelsea in this hunt or, or maybe he gets to complete more than one season at Southampton and, and grow a little bit more I don't know but either way things are, are really looking up for him yeah well, it's gonna be interesting obviously City will have that option but with mm. Rodri in there and him well I would say probably being the best number six in the world right now maybe Joshua Kimmich would have, have a word about that but but definitely in the conversation and then Calvin Phillips coming in from Leeds United for a big fee last summer the pathway seems a little bit blocked there where it doesn't at definitely. Chelsea and that that might work in their favour 
Definitely. And obviously with uh, the, the decision Lavia has already made speaks to his his willingness to go and, and take a bit of a leap to go and play football. You know, he's left City's EDS side and uh, has joined Southampton. You know, he's taken, a, he's taken a, a bit of a risk and a bit of a leap. So playing time is clearly on his mind. Um, so I, I'd be I'd be surprised if he then sort of bottlenecked himself back up at the club he left in order to play. But yeah. Yeah, yeah fair enough. All right, let's go to number four, shall we? Right, number four is Xavi Simons at PSV Eindhoven. He mm. is someone that we recently spotlighted on our Patreon show. Another plug for that. And I've tried to keep this list as fresh as possible for those of you that, that listen on, on Fridays as well. But there is a little bit of overlap and it comes in the form of Simons. Um, I think I remember on the spotlight, I was marvelling at his full name and I still am marvelling at it. Xavier Quentin Shea Simons. Unbelievable Lovely. stuff. It's a mm. top three name in so world football. Good. So good. Uh, he joined PSV, for those that don't know, this summer from PSG. I first kind of saw him, I mean, I'd seen clips of him in the youth league for PSG, but first actual proper live viewing of him came in the Champions League qualifier early this season where he came off the bench against Rangers and was just immediately the heart, at the heart of absolutely everything. You know, ducking, weaving, playmaking, uh, dropping the shoulder, ball manipulation, deceptive movements. Incredible stuff, really. A great technician. There's like 20 minutes there off the bench that make you think, okay, you need to watch that dude. Um, and he's basically used that as a platform. We haven't checked in on him since, but he's used it as a platform. Just absolutely star in the Eredivisie. We're all making so much of Cody Hackpo's nine goals, nine assists in 11 starts. There's a guy that's four years younger than Hackpo in his first ever senior season on eight goals and three assists in 11. And that's Xavi Simons. Now, the hype train is getting, um, hmm, I don't know if I'm complicit in this, but it, it's threatening to overtake his ability a little bit. There's, there's mm. definitely room to grow for him. He needs to bulk up, I think, for sure. But this kid is flying, absolutely flying. And at least uh, at least one ingredient of this sort of golden boy concoction is is a bit of hype. And Xavi Simons has that, has that behind him. It also helps that he's swatting everyone aside in the Eredivisie. Yeah, I mean, it's a name that's been on the radar for a while, right? He, mm. he obviously came through um, and, and was someone that the people were talking about in a big way, um, and both at Barcelona and then at PSG. It didn't really live up. To, well, that's, that's harsh, isn't it? But yeah. it, I was going to say that's really unfair. But I think maybe not living up to the hype is actually the wrong phrase. It, it was a bit unclear as to what position he played. Because mm -hmm. he started out as a deep line midfielder, like his namesake. Then he played up front a bit for, for PSG. Now he's moved to PSV and he seems to be playing a sort of more kind of hybrid 10 role. And mm. it's it, it's very interesting to see that development as to where he kind of lands as much as anything. And and, and so that's, I think, what the, the key ingredient here has been with Xavi Simons is actually working out exactly where he plays and exactly, therefore, how he fits into teams and... PSV have done a brilliant job of this and, and Rivan Nistelrooy deserves some credit here because he's found a role for him and then given him the, the belief and the platform to shine and he's taken it with both hands so far. 100%, yeah, 100%. I mean, look, we're even at the point now where Xavi Simons in, is, is kind of, is, is getting World Cup squad shouts. Uh, maybe not the full 26, but at least preliminary. Like people, people want to see the Netherlands take him as like a bit of a, a you know, an off the, off the bench kind of X factor, a bit of a game changer. That's how strong the hype is right now. But that's also how strong his stock is. That's what he's showing everybody in the Netherlands. It's what he's shown in the Champions League. It's what he's shown given any opportunity to take to the pitch. 
Um, now, obviously, this comes as a result of maybe like Gini Wijnaldum, you know, breaking his leg and, and there, there needed to be a bit of luck for a potential pathway. I don't know if he's going to go. I'd, I'd probably say he probably won't go. But the fact that he's even being talked up in this sense shows you how he's ramping up into 2023 and I think potentially how special it could be for him. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He is in that big 55 man preliminary squad, isn't he? Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, I, I would also be surprised if he ended up in the final 26. But Louis van Gaal has done strange things in the past. So I'm uh, maybe, maybe there's hope there as well. Maybe, maybe. Should we move on to number three then? Okay, number three. And this player will either be, well, I've put him at three, bang in the middle. Some people will say too low. Some people will say too high. Depends on how much faith you have in his body to recover. Um, but we got some really awesome news yesterday on Monday. We were recording on the Tuesday. Florian Witz took part in full training yeah. for Bayer Leverkusen for oh, the first nice. time since he tore his ACL earlier this year, which is absolutely fantastic. Really, really good. Um, he's done a bit of like physical and recovery sessions um, over the in, in, into last week. So they've been threatening to put him into training and, and they've finally done it. Again, the timing of this World Cup, it jars a little bit for him in terms of getting back because I think Leverkusen have four league games left before the break, which means if you're just trying to make sure he comes back in full nick, then maybe you don't rush him into a scenario where he has to play before the World Cup. So unfortunately for Florian Witz, he's coming back in. He's probably going to feel right up to speed probably November the 20th, <laughs> which is unfortunately when the World Cup kicks off and the Eredivisie goes on a two-month break. Mm. And he's going to have to circle January 22nd in his calendar instead, which is Leverkusen's first league game or first game of 2023. But by then, you know, barring any unforeseen circumstances, he will be, he'll be firing, he'll be ready. He'll be just as ready as anybody else. It's the longest preseason in history. And a real thirst to go and, and, and show everybody that actually he's still one of the very best youngsters in the game. So I really hope he can immediately restake that claim. But talk about setting yourself up for the 2023 Golden Boy Award. You literally return in January, ready, fresh, raring to go. And you're Florian Vitz. We all know how good he can be. Yeah, it's, I mean, obviously he's in the provisional squad. Again, another one. Is he going to go? I don't think so. But... <sighs> I think just considering how good he was, you know, until that ACL injury, it does feel like they might just gamble on him. And, and look, Leverkusen have been dreadful this season, let's be honest about it. And, and Chabi Alonso has come in. He improved things straight away with that win over Schalke. Then they fell to a couple of quite horrible, chastising defeats. They drew this weekend and they are sorely missing him. And this is a team stacked full of talent, right? And you're still going... They, they miss Vert so much, which is an incredible thing to be saying about a player so young. But equally, you're looking at this and going, right, if Germany needs some creativity in the latter stages of this tournament and they have him there, you know, training in full kind of work and they can give him those kind of soft minutes towards the end of the group games, could he be fit and firing by the time that they get to the knockout stages? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. This, is, this is my big question. I have a funny feeling Hansi Flick takes him. I really do. I've got I've got a feeling that he takes Florian Verts to the World Cup. I've got a feeling that that only happens if Marco Royce is also injured, who we haven't seen much recently and haven't I haven't seen much news on him either. Um so we'll have to see, but 
in the time that Vietz has been out, Musiala has just gone like super cyan. Yeah. That and that's, that's the main problem for him here. But really like getting involved in that Germany squad would be a huge <coughs> bonus for him. Just to, just to see him back training with Leverkusen and just to know that he's going to be, be able to play for them in at the start of 2023 and put together a full second half of the season. That's really good news. And we know, we know that he's brilliant. We know he's a, a wonderful creative player. We know his decision making and his like the cool head he has on on those shoulders is is incredible for one so young. It's something that Leverkusen sorely need at times, isn't it? A cool head in attack to make the right pass, make the right call. The pass selection needs to be spot on. You know, we need that. We need to see that from Leverkusen. He's productive. He's exciting. He gets to go and link up with Schick and Diaby again. Great stuff. And he'll definitely be in this conversation. Definitely. I didn't really know where to rank him because he hasn't mm. played for like six months seven months um and it's like either whichever way you put it it's like a massive gamble on how well he returns and how quickly he finds his sharpness and no one really knows how that's how it's going to go right yeah, 100%. yeah the germany thing is a shame and really it's, it's so to come back now would like it's, it is obviously unlikely but it's a shame because it'd be the perfect time to go into that germany setup like on the back of two rubbish tournaments expectations are pretty low even though the team are definitely better now than they were in both those tournaments and it would have been ideal to have somebody like that come in um at a time when anything was a bonus and he would 100% lift the morale and the creativity and the you know just slowly through a tournament you could imagine somebody like him just starting to play a bigger and bigger role so yeah it's probably come too late that's a shame a little thought there is just like with a 20 do you need 26 men for i know it's an expanded squad do you actually need them because if hansi flick were to decide that he didn't need 26 men he could bring Witz just basically to tune him up and train him up because the last thing florian Witz needs now is an extended christmas break yeah. He needs to, he needs to train. Yeah. He needs to play. The, he doesn't need a month and a half off. He's just had six or seven. The ideal scenario for him would be to would be would be to train with Germany, even if he never gets to play a minute in the World Cup, because he just needs that. He'd be a bit mugged off though if like he he, he went purely for that, and you were like the twenty seventh man. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually just reading uh, in build. They said that um, Verts is optimistic about being included in the squad, and as you say, even if he doesn't play. Um, Flick is considering calling him up if he's fit enough to be just around the squad. So suddenly mm-hmm. that turns what we've just said. I mean, and, uh, look, at the, look at the numbers from last year, right? Obviously we can't look at anything from this season, but he got 10 goals and 14 assists in 30 games for by Leverkusen across the Bundesliga and the Europa League. That is just absolutely incredible numbers for someone of this age. His production levels are through the roof. And so if you have that, ability kicking around he also can play about four different positions which is useful if you have that ability and that versatility in a world cup squad and you know that he's going to kind of move in and, and be at kind of full kick by the time that you get through a group stage i i just think he's going i think he's going okay all right nice. there you go well he's going to be on this top 20 short list of the golden boys next year that's for sure that is yeah you can all agree unless on he gets one. injured again touch wood he oh. doesn't be very upsetting so, yeah. if he did no, i love flooring verts all right let's move onwards shall we okay on to number two alex balde at barcelona mm-hmm. oh yeah probably the player i just feel happiest for in world football right now across the board genuinely i i always smile when i see him on the team sheet i smile when i see him play and I, I smile even more when I see him play well, which is every time he goes to the pitch. Because finally, 
he is a regular in this Barcelona team. And it's something that we've been calling for on this pod since, I want to say pre-season 2021 yeah. is about right. Um, it's been a long time coming. Ronald Koeman was in charge when we were basically clocked on to the fact that he was clearly good enough to play for this team. But Koeman was, was obviously very cautious with him. Xavi was initially as well. But he's now in this team. He's playing quite regularly or very regularly. And with Jordi Alba kind of like on the bench more often than not and Marcos Alonso in and out, Valde's, Valde's here. And the timing on this one feels pretty sweet as well because he's just put in what is surely his best performance of the season against Athletic in a 4-0 win. He was really, really good. And not only that, he's had to do a, an emergency job at right back a couple of times this season and he's done pretty well out of that one as well. Nine La Liga starts out of a possible 11. Just really happy for him. Like we were worried that, you know, Marcus Alonso was going to steal his minutes and all this and he was going to struggle for it. He's just he's just put his best foot forward and just shown that he's still he's still one of the best around here. So I want to sort of hark back to something that Dean said last week for this one, um, and not to, to take away from Balde's quality, which is which is undoubted. But Dean was right in that he basically said that with the Copper Trophy and also with the Ballon d'Or, it really helps if you play for Barcelona or Real Madrid. Like it's very very helpful, and Balde is probably going to play a really meaningful role for Barcelona across 2023 as they fight for a title in La Liga and they fight for some form of cup success to be determined exactly what that is. And so I think he's absolutely going to be on this top 20 next year. And the question is, how high how high will he feature? And that, <laughs> how high can a left-back feature? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how strong the Barcelona narrative is against the defender because that's kind of how this thing tends to go. But what we're seeing from him at the moment from the left back role is is really really impressive yeah 100 percent. and and this is it you know when you have barcelona fans now kind of wildly and, and wide rangingly calling for his inclusion as the first choice left back you know that you're doing something right and and it is you know all of these things all these elements to his game that you're like okay if you are moving on from from Jordi Alba who's been such a wonderful servant for Barcelona let's be honest and has just started to maybe lose a yard I think he's struggled with losing that connection with Lionel Messi as well their connection was was pretty sublime for for some years but you're kind of going right the time has come for the switch then something good is happening here and and that's the key right he's still so young he's still got so many years ahead of him and we're looking at a player who they're going right this is this is our best left back now they've brought in Marcus Alonso's experience as you said Sam uh, over the summer and we were worried about that as, as you mentioned but ultimately he's kind of gone no 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 it's okay I don't really mind that you've brought in these players because I know that I'm better than them and <laughs> that's that's a huge statement to make early doors for a, for a player of, of this age and and so I, I'm completely with you I think this is this is really good I did worry that you had verts a little bit low in this ranking but I think Alex Balde is someone that can genuinely be be put in ahead of him so I, I think this is a good shout and and I, I really like it he is going to be I think Barcelona starting comfortable starting left back by the time that the the system or the other leagues come back in in January he's already staking that claim but there is still a little bit of rotation going on but that might well be due to the the scheduling of things at the moment mm. but I think it's quite clear that he is Barcelona's left best left back uh, at the moment and and that is pretty stunning and and a turnaround that is a little bit overdue I think we, we've we've seen this for a while he is 
such a wonderful, well-rounded footballer. Yes, he's still a little bit raw, but he brings so much to this side. And and ultimately, I think this is pretty fair for Valde. Yeah, he's a brilliant footballer. Technically very, very good. Close control, brilliant. Dribbling in tight spaces and ability to progress the ball by by dribbling forward out of, out of deeper areas. Really strong. When he's in trouble and when he might lose the ball, he tends to draw a foul. So he doesn't really lose the ball that often. And the way he can kind of run inwards as well as go around the outside and use his speed is really, really impressive as well. So like there's a lot there's a lot to like there. I think the passing's a bit loose sometimes still and 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 the, the delivery can be improved. He was really bad actually with his passing from right back, but I'm just not gonna hold that against him. Like all the angles are completely different and he is very left footed, so it is what it is. Um but his rise ultimately just means that Barcelona are not gonna have to worry about buying a left back for some time which can only be a positive given they've got so many other issues and um uh, you know as with every other club in the world there is a limited amount of money to use on it so <laughs> tick off left back with Balde from the academy perfect ideal I mean yeah, Fonzie Davis came second didn't he or, or was kind of widely noted to have come second the year that Erling Haaland won it um, mm. in 2020. So there is precedent for left-backs I mean, doing really I mean, well, but he had just won the Champions League. He just won the treble and he didn't even win it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, may, maybe Balde isn't going to win this award, but I think there's definitely precedent for him being in the mix. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Nice. All right, let's do number one then. Who's topping it? Number one is Yusufa Makoko at Borussia Dortmund. Ooh, mm, nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, uh, again, uh, I, when I see him, when I see him play well, I smile. When I see him on the team sheet, I smile. Because over the last couple of years, he's a player that has had me a little bit worried at times. I'm not going to lie. Um, he, the way he broke onto the scene before his 16th birthday, the regulation changes in the Bundesliga that allowed him to make his debut one day after turning 16. The regulation changes that allowed him to train with the first team at 15. That's sort of the hype, the YouTube reels. You're just looking at all that and like, for one so, so young and so, so inexperienced, it can either it goes one way or the other, doesn't it? One way or the other, and it can go really badly. But credit to, to Makoko, taking it all in his stride. Credit to Dortmund, who seem to have managed him really, yeah, really well. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that's like, a massive part of it. Under several managers as well, they seem to have managed him really well. They do. I mean, Dortmund, I mean, they're, they're a, it's a great place for young players to play. And, you know, this is just an, a continuation of that. But I think this is a particularly tricky task, given the headlines surrounding a 15-year-old kid. And they've done brilliantly with him. Um, and here he is one month before his 18th birthday. So he's still ridiculously young. And he is breaking out in a really, really healthy way. We're all very accustomed to him, but he's not been forced into the spotlight as a as a player that Dortmund depend on immediately. He's just someone that comes in and out. They enjoy him while he's there. They understand when he's not. He's not integral, but he is always a very bright light. And he is awesome. Like, he's so electric when he plays. The runs he makes, the separation he gets off defenders, the speed, the variety of his finishes, the power in his shots... And the variety of different goals he's already scoring, so, so impressive. And I think some of that comes from the fact that he doesn't feel like he's depended on. He feels like he can he can come in and, and out. He's not overplayed. He's not overexposed. He adds his value in spurts. He's still finding his feet. But genuinely, heading into 2023, we're already at the point now where it's like, well, <laughs> he's clearly amazing. You really, you really do need him on the pitch when it counts. He got the nod in the, the big game against Bayern Munich and was excellent. They might not be able to hold him back for much longer. 
But that's okay because I think he might he might genuinely be ready for this now. It's it's not premature. And 2023 could could be his year. And you know, the 2020 what Erling Haaland wins it, Dortmund striker, uh, Makoko maybe is 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 in the right setting, plays the right position. Mm. It's 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 possible. Yeah, he's played about 50 percent of Dortmund's minutes across the course of this season, which feels about right, doesn't it? Um, he's been kind of used a little bit less in the Champions League. He's been used about half of the time in the Bundesliga and given pretty much free reign in the DFB Pokal, which is which feels about right, yeah? Yep. It feels about the the kind of moments you're looking at and thinking, yeah, that that's probably about right for a player of this age. But we often talk about, you know, rings in the legs, Sam, and, you know, how a player's age kind of relates to it. And we're usually talking about this at the other end of the spectrum, right? We're talking yeah. about the fact that a, a player comes in very young and by 29, they're kind of played the minutes of a your average 34-year-old. But in this regard, in terms of maturity and experience, he's been drip-fed through for two years already. Now, yes, that was at a very young age. But even though he's a 17-year-old, he's probably profiling more like a 20-year-old at, mm. at this point because he's been given their two years of sort of uh, a little bit sprinkles of minutes here and there under 21's football in, in quite a big way and then ex- exposure to the first team and those first team environments yes he's very very young but actually he's probably more mature than that in footballing terms yeah well I mean if Makoko profiles like a 20 year old what does Jude Bellingham profile as Jack? No like yeah. it's, we, we're not here to talk about uh, I saw him described Jude Bellingham but yeah. they're, they're, they're just so wonderful yeah Bellingham's been described as the oldest 19 year old in history um, <laughs> well, which Makoko, is probably fair Makoko might be overtaking him for that title by next year so we'll see yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean Makoko's going to be on this list he might he might genuinely win it I think he's got the potential to win Golden Boy next year which is why I've put him at number one um and if he doesn't win it next year, well, he can try again in 2024 and 2025 when he's still eligible. <laughs> he's still eligible. Yeah, totally. Uh, look, Liverpool being linked with him yeah. quite a bit in recent days. I don't know if that's just the Klopp thing um, and an obvious place for him to go. I mean, you wouldn't suggest really that he'd be the answer to what Liverpool are looking for right now as they transition um, to try and stay in the hunt uh, as yeah, title candidates. But it's... You know, does he need that kind of pressure? Like, surely a D- Dortmund is ideal um, for where he is right now. And, like, there's probably, for me anyway, a stepping stone in between those if he's going to go anywhere else or he just stays at Dortmund, surely. Because joining Liverpool at 17-18 doesn't seem that wise. Yeah, I was going to ask you what the how, how kind of much we can buy into this because it's been very widely reported. Um, now, whether it's just as a kind of... Oh, Liverpool are interested in Jude Bellingham, which we've we've had for quite some time now, and they're just like, oh, and Makoko because he's good and and he is good. They'd, they'd be absolutely right in, in terms of those things. But is it just them going, well, if we're going to raid Dortmund for one young, very very talented player, maybe we should just raid them for two? It, it it feels a little bit like a bolt on, and that was the that was the worry for me with it. Maybe I mean I'm I'm pretty sure Jude Bellingham's going to Real Madrid, so I don't think he's going to end up at Liverpool anyway. But um. Yeah, Mikoku, that, by the way, is terrifying for everybody else. The fact that they're going to have Bellingham, Camavinga, Chuameni, and Valverde in that side alongside around, Vinicius and Rodrigo. It's genuinely like one of those you're looking at going, oh, well, yeah. they're going to win everything forever then. They'll probably yeah. get to the summer and they'll buy Bellingham and Endrick. 
and be like, right, okay, we'll all just give up then, shall we? The rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> Man United are going to need a striker in January. Maybe, <laughs> just, uh, maybe just get the new guy. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> no, we don't want to be sending any. We don't want to be sending any golden boys to Manchester United right now. I'm afraid. Um, it's just, the pressure is just a little bit too high for me. I was tweeting about this about Jao Felix earlier on in the day that I, I don't like that move at all for a player who's who's going to be thrown under that kind of pressure and intense scrutiny off the back of a couple of seasons. I would say exactly the same for a 17-year-old coming from Dortmund. I would not want to be throwing them into the cauldron at Old Trafford just as things are starting to look on the up and people are looking for new heroes. It's Mm. a lot of pressure to be put on young shoulders. Yeah, Yeah, Do you want some honourable mentions before we close off? Of course I do. Because there was a good a good little list that actually I put together and like one that Barcelona, Barcelona fans will be delighted that Alex Balde features so highly, but they will be asking, well, Ansu Fati still will be technically eligible for but this. Ansu but... Fati was in the 20. Ah, was he? Okay, well then, there you go. I haven't messed up. Lovely stuff. But um, Fati, look, Fati could win it next year. He could, um, but it's just one of those like, physically, where are you? And uh, I need to be, I need to be shown it. Um there's a couple more as well. What have I got here? Uh, Nico Williams at Athletic. Harvey Elliott didn't make the top 20 this year, but um, Fabio Carvalho did. I guess that's probably more reflective of Carvalho's Fulham campaign. Which is mad because the you mid- have to mid- be playing in the top tier, right? To actually be eligible yeah. for the Golden Boy. But if the best minutes he's got here are in the tier below, that, that seems like he's circumvented doesn't, the rules a tad. It doesn't make much sense, but there you go. So I, I'd, I'd pop Elliott in there as like, if Carvalho can make it, then Elliott can make it. Keep an eye on, you know, the minutes that Hugo Ekatike ends up playing for PSG. You know, maybe in the fallout of Mbappe, but just in general, as he as he's coaxed along and and the games pile up. Like, if you're playing up front and you're scoring goals for PSG, even on a bi-weekly basis, you'll probably end up in this list. Um, and if Ryan Shirky ever gets to play ever again, then he probably will make this list. Yeah, uh, and a big shout out to Jeremy Pino as well, who I think will still be eligible. Oh, yeah. yeah, I like Jeremy Pino a lot. Uh, Luke Harris, obviously, probably going to be in, in the conversation <laughs> as well. Uh, the latest starlet off the uh, Motspur Park production line. Uh, La Motspur, as uh, it started to be known in <laughs> South West London. Um, but yeah, no, definitely, Sam. I think they are a, a good selection of names. I think we've covered a relatively broad church there as well. So hmm. very, very good. Right, after the break, we've got Melon of the Week and the Gibberish Rankings. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for our third and final segment. It's time for everybody's favourite part of the week. Over to you, Dean. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Cardiff City's Callum Robinson. What a melon. So... Those that haven't seen this on social media or just don't know, he was shown a red card in one of the biggest rivalries, really, in the world. I mean, Cardiff and Swansea uh, probably doesn't um, catch the attention in other parts of Europe or America or wherever else. But trust me, these two hate each other. It's hostile, isn't it? It's a big one. After seven minutes, he like pushed the ball. He was angry at Swansea defender uh, Ben Cabango and uh, he kind of punches him with the ball, I'd say. That's how I'd describe it. Like he just <laughs> he gets the ball and he just shoves it in his face. He hits him with the ball. Hits him with the ball. It's funny, it but it's and ridiculous. And he hits him with, in the face with the ball. It is so funny. Um, <laughs> it is, but not if you're a Cardiff fan because they were... You're bang up for a game like that. You suffer a red card after seven minutes, you're in big trouble. 
And yeah, they lost 2-0 Cardiff. The team ratings I looked at from the local media just to see how what he might have got out of 10. Here it is. Callum Robinson, one. <laughs> Sent off in the seventh minute in a derby for throwing a ball at an opposition player. It wasn't really a throw, was it? Unacceptable, idiotic, petulant. Should have known better. He's such an experienced player. He ruined the match after Cardiff had started so well. No excuse. <laughs> yeah, they, they could have added. They, they could have added melon in there, couldn't they? <laughs> to be honest, Cardiff had a couple of contenders, didn't they? Because I, I don't know if you've seen the highlights of this game, but uh, another player who, who plays for Cardiff City, Cedric Keeper, tried to get himself sent off about ten minutes later, which is genuinely incredible considering they were down to ten <laughs> men already. The ball comes in for a cross, and he Superman dives and punches the ball out of the box. Now okay. the referee and the linesman somehow missed this. It is genuinely un- unbelievable how they managed to to oversee this. He just jumps with his hands in the air and punches the ball out of the box. <laughs> he would have been down. Da- he would have been off. They would have been down to nine, and Swansea should have got a penalty. Um, so you can add him into the mix, and probably the officials for failing to spot that in in the game, to be honest, because yeah. that is one of those moments you're going. The reaction from the Swansea players is absolutely unbelievable. They're like, like, surely, like, hang on, like, surely you've seen that. And the ref's like, no, 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 no. And they're all like surrounding and being like, no, nah, like, mate, are you, are you taking the mick? Like, this is yeah. actually genuinely hilarious. But um, I think justice was served in that Swansea victory after after that wasn't given. But yeah, Keeper with his team already down to 10, completely losing his head. Uh, he would have been up there for, for Mellon if, that, if he had been sent off. Arguably, it's even worse. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably is. Um, well, that's a bad day at the office, isn't it, for Cardiff? Yeah, not a good day to be a blue bird. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that is, of course, the gibberish alarm. Sam, what have you got for us this week? Yeah, so it's not a ranking this week, but it is a load of rubbish. I promise you that. Um, I'm going to talk to you about the last three times that I went swimming. Right. So obviously, you know, I'm a big swimmer now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Massive. Well, you are a really big swimmer. You're about six foot. What are you? Six foot five? Six foot four. We call him Ian Thorpe around the the office now. (laughs) I I cut a very imposing figure as I'm cutting through the waves. Uh, But yeah, I've taken up. The waves? Where are you swimming? (laughs) (laughs) It's a wave machine. (laughs) Latchmere. Yeah. um, I've taken up a bit of swimming. It's good for your back, um, as my chiropractor keeps telling me. Um, so as a six foot four man where all surfaces are too low for me, yeah, it's, it, it comes a point in your life where you have to start taking care of yourself and, uh, swimming is my salvation. So last three times I've tried to go swimming have been total disasters one after the other. And it's, I'm starting to think that I'm cursed because Monday, October 24, yesterday, as we record, I booked a lane on the app as you have to do at my leisure center don't really get that but fair enough booked a lane 2 p.m turned up at 150 walk through no problem no it's just there weren't very many people around that's a bit odd usually it's quite busy at this time okay fine no worries in the zone off to do some lengths got changed put all my stuff in the locker walk to the edge of the pool i'm in my shorts and my goggles <laughs> and my feet are literally wet i look around i am the only person in the entire facility. <laughs> and I don't just mean there's no, there's not a single lifeguard, teacher, there is no one in there. Obviously, I figured out at this point something has gone wrong. So I'm sort of stood there for like 10 seconds, like, I don't know what's going on. 
a lifeguard rounds the corner, sprints up to me, sprints up to me, going, no, 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 you can't go in. I was like, my dude, I, I had figured that out. Like, it's clear, <laughs> clearly something is wrong. And he just comes up and goes, look, I'm really sorry, but someone's vomited in the pool and um, we've done the, like, the pool test and it's failed. So we're going to have to shut it for the day while it kind of you know filters through or whatever. Uh... They have to rechlorinate it. I said, okay, yeah, no worries. Not, 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 you know, I'm not going to be difficult about it. That's fair enough. I mean, I am literally stood here in my swim shorts. I was hoping to go swimming. Uh, but I'll go fine. to the pub instead. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll, uh, I'll walk off. What I did manage to do, though, I rose above it. I was really tempted to tell him that he wasn't allowed to run poolside because, you know, <laughs> I thought, don't be a dick, Sam. Don't be no. a dick. But I really did want to get my own back on the lifeguard. So yesterday I tried, but I did not manage to get a swim in. Sad times. Let's wind it back to last week, Wednesday, October the 19th. Lane booked for 2 p.m. I turn up at 2.05. Mate, you've got, already... stop, you've got to stop booking lanes at 2 p.m. I can see where the trouble is starting you. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. I've booked one today for three. I'm learning. <laughs> but uh, lane booked for two, turn up at 2.05. There's already a guy in my lane. That's fine. You know, obviously you have to share. It's fine. As I sort of walk towards the shallow end of the pool, he swims up to the shallow end of the pool and he says hello as I get in. And he says, is it okay if we swim parallel? And I'm on complete autopilot, did not expect to have to speak to anybody. And went, yeah, fine, whatever. And then a couple of seconds later, I was like, wait, what does that mean? Swim parallel. What does that actually mean? So I didn't stop. I stopped. I just waited and I just watched him swim. He swims up the right side of the lane. And then rather than turn at the top and do like an anti-clockwise pattern, which is pretty standard, he just reverses and swims back down the same side of the lane. Backstroke. Well, not backstroke. It was like a backwards doggy paddle and swam all the way back down. So he wants to swim in that one side, one half of the lane, up and down, up and down. He doesn't want to do the clockwise, anti-clockwise movement. Right. Why? So I was like, I don't know, mate. But I was like, right, okay, fine. I get it. Anyway, I watched him a bit more and it did. Turn, I did understand why. He does a breaststroke forwards, 25 meters, touches the end, and then backwards pedals the other way. His neck never moved. He never turned. His neck, it was like it was like being controlled by a PS1 controller. On a was D-pad. he really old? Was he an old yeah, man? Was, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. There was no flexibility. I'm just imagining him in my head and he's old. Yeah. Hey, he was wearing, he wasn't wearing goggles. He was wearing his glasses the entire time. <laughs> he he literally did a 30 minute swim in spectacles and his head didn't go in the water once. He went up, down, up, down, up, down, never turned forward, back, forward, back and got out Amazing. and left after half an hour. I could not believe could it. Could you I was not really have just gone in like another lane? I'd booked, the, I'd booked the fast lane. No, I know, you know but I, I would have probably been like, I'm just going to go in the medium lane. Why is this geezer in the fast lane? I don't know, mate. He wasn't fast at all. He just really fair, likes never, the eagles. To be fair, he, uh, <laughs> he, um, he never stopped, to his credit. There's, there's two elements here that decide which lane you should go on. First of all is your speed, but second of all is how many breaks you have to take. Right. So they, 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 don't, they ask you to go in the higher lanes if you never really have to stop, and the man never stopped. Oh. 30 straight minutes, forward, back, forward, back, forward, back. Head never went underwater. Half an hour, I'm off. Hi. Did you have but to very, like? Very did you have to like adjust your stroke? Like, because you're quite big, right? Like, if you're swimming alongside someone, I imagine yeah. your breaststroke would really, you know, start to kick out at people. Hundred percent, yeah. And there was a point as well with the lane next to me. There was also a dude coming up to my left, and I was swimming along the side of the guy to the right. So it was three of us in almost like it's like three lanes in a motorway. It was, and I was the lorry um it was yeah it was really really tough i basically had to slow down so i didn't just kick everyone as i went past but yeah mm. you wouldn't want to be doing times. butterfly would you you'd be absolutely mm. murdering people 
Yeah, what a shame I wasn't able to do butterfly that day. I Nothing to do with that. my inability to do it. <laughs> love a fly, love a fly. Yeah. Um, right, anyway. go on then, on to the uh, day before. No, it's not the day before, it's the week before, the previous oh, Wednesday. Okay. This, was yeah. a three, this was a 3 pm so I booked the lane 3 pm I turned up, someone's already in it. Again, fine, but they're swimming a loop the wrong way. They're going clockwise, not anti-clockwise. And I know it's bad, but this really bothered me, like really bothered me. And I got in and I was furious about it. And I remained furious for the next 20 minutes as I, oh. rather than confronted the guy about it, who was already swimming, just followed suit. And I absolutely hated it. And I remember swimming along thinking, this is shit. I hate this. I really hate this. This is rubbish. I want to get out. And I was miserable, absolutely miserable for like 20 minutes. And the problem, the, the big problem was that just as I got used to it, just as I finally adapted, I'm going to call her an older woman, an elderly lady got in the pool in the lane to my to the, to the left. And I don't know if there are any old ladies out there listening, you know, that go swimming regularly. <laughs> I've got loads want, of those listeners. Yeah, I just, that's, I that's, just... That's a demographic we hit quite a lot, actually, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to all you Janices and Beatrices out there and <laughs> Agathas, I just, I just, you may not know this, but... If you put approximately one bottle's worth of perfume on you and then go swimming, it pollutes the water <laughs> and it is absolutely disgusting. So just as I had ad adopted this clockwise strategy, which was bothering me, I basically choked underwater on a bottle's worth of perfume <laughs> that had come off this woman. And you know what? I got to the end and I just got out. I just left. I drove straight to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, yeah, as many cheeseburgers as you can make in five minutes. It's been a terrible, terrible day. Oh Absolutely days. awful. Right, pool hygiene, ladies and gentlemen. Have a shower before you get in the pool. Come on. That's yeah. basics. Basics. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Oh, yeah, I can imagine the smell of the perfume as well. It's because underwater, you can taste it. Mm. Yeah, it's, re you can. it's really bad. Oh, jeez. Not good. So I'm going. I'm going. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going swimming this afternoon. We we just we just hope it can get better. Surely it, it can only. Oh, well, glad it's going. No, it's going alright, isn't it? Honestly, yes. if you, if you have a bad <laughs> one today, can you put it in? Can you send it to us as a voice note, and I'll stick it in at the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. If it's Hang a bad around. one today, sure. <laughs> okay, but It'll I'm pretty as a, a cop. I'm pretty confident the storm's passed. I'm pretty confident in a good swim this time. Very good. All right. Well, yeah, it can't keep three bad things come in threes, don't they? So, they so do, therefore yeah. you, you should be clear by yep. this point. All right. <laughs> On that bombshell, I think it's probably time to call this a day. And all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to Dean Jones, our five by five champion king at the Andals and the first men. And of course, our transfer guru. Cheers, DJ. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. The rank god, Mr. Sam Tai, our third choice Norwegian bass goalkeeper and head of dispatch. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, lovely, mate. Nice one. Yeah, I've got good at these now. I've been Jack Collins, yeah, knave of hearts. Thank you so much for listening as ever. We'll be back next week here on Ranks FC. Cheers. Take it easy, gang. Peace.